I'm Pam Rogers, an attorney and a staunch Republican. I'm Mara Dolan, an attorney and a lifelong Democrat. And this is Going to Spirit, Politics and Crime with Pam and Mara. We may disagree on many subjects and topics discussed on this show, but our mutual respect for each other, our common experiences and the work that we do keeps us together. You may think you know the whole story, but you need to hear our rapid fire opinions from both sides. We aren't afraid to go there. We're going to spare it. Hey, welcome back everyone to the Going to Spare it podcast with me, Pam Rogers. And I'm Mara Dolan, and we're so happy that you joined us today. We had a wonderful time talking with former U.S. Rep. Mike Rogers, who is a Republican, exploring a possible candidacy for president. He was so great, Mara. I really like enjoyed our conversation. I felt like I could have talked like another hour with him. Oh, I think so, too. And one of the things that I really loved about it was just how clear it is to me that it's really important just to hear what the other side has to say, to listen. And then we go to spare it later, you know? Right. right. Isn't that the, the whole point of our podcast is like hearing different voices yes. that you may or may not agree with. Yes. Um, and just being like, great. I'm glad that we're all in the debate. I'm glad that we're all talking about these issues. And I'm not calling you like an effing jerk. Right. You no, know, it's right. just like, right. civil, the great American debate. Exactly. And we're not interested in proving someone wrong or proving someone right. It's what do you think? How do you see it? And then you and I go to spirit. Exactly. Exactly. You and I can duke it out later. Exactly. So today we are very excited to have Ray Buckley join us. He is the chair of the New Hampshire Democratic Party and New Hampshire is reeling from, I think, an earthquake of nuclear proportions in that they the DNC decided they would not be the first in the nation primary, which they've been for as long as I can remember. I want to ask Ray Buckley how long it's been, because I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly. I know Ray will definitely know, but I am really excited to have him on. I know when you and I were, you know, putting this podcast together and we talked about like, who would we like to have on? Uh, one of the first people I said was yeah. Ray Buckley, because this first in the nation status debate is really huge and it's really important for New Hampshire. And I know Ray has been fighting so hard for the Democrats in New Hampshire and the independent, like actually just for the state of New Hampshire. For the state of New Hampshire, right. Because it's good for the state of New Hampshire. It is. It's so important. And I'm I'm super happy to have him on because I really want to hear what he has to say um, because it's it's huge. It's a huge debate. So grab your coffee. Take a seat and let's talk about stress-free politics and hot takes on crime. Except I don't think we're going to talk about crime today, are we, Pam? Let's not. Let's not talk about crime. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Tucker Carlson. I am Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Outraged, Mara. I'm you are outraged because I am. I watch Fox News in the morning, like when I'm, you know, getting up, drinking my coffee. I watch Fox News. Then I do not watch it, obviously, throughout the day. Um, right. I just say for some reason I was home during the day. I still would not watch Fox during the day. Um, then I turn it on at eight o'clock to watch Tucker Carlson every night. Yeah. And I, and I love his voice. And I just think he's fascinating and interesting. And I actually got to meet him. I actually was in his studio in Washington. Oh my D. God. Oh my God. Got to watch like a show. 
and it was great. And he was very gracious. And he should have had you on. He really should have, right? He totally should have had you on. He would have been like, I have this absolute nobody from New Hampshire here. Um, but anyway, no, he was great. And I absolutely love his voice. And the fact that he get fired, he, he's been fired. We don't know why he's been fired. Well, uh, we kind of do. I don't know. You know, it's, that's a good question. Like, we don't really know. I mean, obviously, there was the Dominion lawsuit. A lot of incriminating evidence came out that showed that Tucker Carlson was saying one thing behind the scenes and saying another thing on camera. Um, and the story now is that there were messages that were redacted that I guess there. Fox's lawyers had that didn't turn over to Fox until recently, and that those redacted messages showed Tucker Carlson referring to female management at Fox using the C word. Yeah. I have not heard that. I actually have not heard that. Um, well, it's not going to be reported on Fox. It's in, you know, it's in it's in the New York Times, it's in the Washington Post, it's in the Boston Globe. And yeah, that's that's the story. Okay. I find that hard to believe. I just don't my opinion, I just don't think he's that kind of guy. But in regards to the Dominion lawsuit, yeah. other people at Fox who talked about it, like Maria Bartiromo talked about it constantly. Yeah. Uh, Janine Pirro talked about it constantly. Yeah. They have fired. Um, you know, it, I'm, I'm baffled by it because he's their number one show. Like he's their biggest moneymaker. Well, but they have a history of doing this, right? They got rid of Bill O'Reilly. They got rid of Megyn Kelly. And oh, was a disaster. Like he was apparently a complete a-hole. Yeah. yeah. Um, very abusive to his staff. That was, yeah. um, and he settled a couple like sexual harassment lawsuits. So yes. Well, Tucker Carlson is facing one. One of his producers is suing him. Yeah, But you know what? She is an incredibly low level producer. And from what I've been, I've been listening to different people and reading some stuff. And they basically said that he wouldn't probably never have even met her ever. Like she's so low level. Um, but it's probably someone he doesn't even know. And it's not really like a sexual harassment lawsuit. I don't, I don't know what she, I, I heard she's completely not credible and that she's so low level that he would never even come in contact with her. So it's not like it's his producer that he sees every day and works on the show with. I thought that it was, and I thought it was basically a toxic workplace environment for women was the basis of it. I don't know if there were individual allegations of individual incidents of alleged sexual harassment, but we obviously need to know more. Oh my gosh. We need the facts. And you know what? I don't think we're going to get them. I'm going to be honest with you. Like yeah. uh, initially when I heard he was fired and I was really upset. I told you, I texted you the minute I heard you were like, what? Exactly. I was so bummed. Um, and I think what he's probably going to end up doing is he's probably going to do something like Megan Kelly or Glenn Beck yep. and just his own show or program. I mean, Glenn Beck has like an entire channel and roster of people like I, I don't know if he would do that but you know Megan Kelly is I think on Cirrus XM and she's on YouTube you know every day yeah I think he, I think he's going to be fine um I think we're just going to see him somewhere else so you don't think he's going to run for president which is what some people are wondering about seriously okay I have not she's heard laughing that. for people who are just listening and not watching this on YouTube Pam is like laughing her face off yeah, yeah I no way Absolutely not. I, I don't think he has any desire to run for president. Uh, if he did, would I back him? Absolutely. But no, I, I don't think that's a 
I think people just love to speculate about stuff. No, I don't think he's going to run for president either. I mean, you know, having worked in politics and now working in the media, working in politics is very different from working in the media. And but I think it's going to be tough. It has to be very tough for him to lose that platform. And I have to say, though, I don't like Tucker Carlson, would never have watched him. When there is someone that you, you know, tune into on a regular basis and, you know, that has meaning for you, it is a loss. And there was no warning. It's not like we thought this might happen. It was just he was there on Friday saying, see you Monday. And then nobody saw him on Monday. And you know what I wanted to do? And I don't know if I ever mentioned to this to you, but I was like, at some point in time, I was thinking, you and I should challenge each other to yes. watching issue. So like for a week, I have to watch I Rachel. Know. And I then know. for a week, I have to watch Tucker Carlson. And then we're like, we just have to literally sit there and watch it. I know. I know. And I, and I think you're right. And I really don't want to do it. <laughs> I just don't. Not I, don't, I don't really watch cable news. Rachel Maddow's on too late for me. And I sometimes watch Morning Joe and Mika sometimes, um, but not that often. I, I get most of my news from online sources, you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post are the main ones. I'm, of course, on social media all the time where people repost stories. So that's how I get it. So, well, now you will not be subjected to watching Tucker Carlson. And even better, I will not be subjected to watching Rachel Maddow. <laughs> no, you're right. At some point, we really should. And I actually did turn. See, I don't even want to call it Fox News because I don't think it's news. I'll call it Fox Media. Um, I did see Pam's laughing. For those of you who are not watching, Pam's laughing her face off. Um, I did tune in to Fox Media after I heard that Tucker Carlson was fired. I mean, they made some statement that it was by mutual agreement, but you knew it wasn't. Because just because I wanted to get a sense of the vibe on the set, and I don't know it well enough, I don't watch it, so I couldn't really tell anything. But and then also Don Lemon got fired. I mean, it's been a, it's been a, and Nate Silver got let go from ABC. I don't know who that is. So Nate Silver started Five Thirty Eight, which was a a polling aggregator, and there was a lot of controversy. Um, over polls that he took into his calculation that turned out not to be accurate. So, you know, the the official story is that ABC decided to, to, you know, not renew his contract. But I think, you know, why did they decide not to renew his contract? Yeah. So it's been it's been a big week in media. And of course, the launch of going disparate politics and crime with Pam and Mara, that's way up there, too. And, and we're not going to say anything about some upcoming guests, but we have some amazing oh, major heavy hitters. Yeah. yeah. Major, major heavy hitters. I know. I'm very excited. Well, I, again, super excited to talk to Ray Buckley. Yes. So, Pam, just give us background for folks who don't know, because Ray Buckley was a New Hampshire state rep and you were a New Hampshire state rep. Did your paths cross? Okay, we it did. I am positive that Ray will not know who I am. <laughs> well he was like majority whip, wasn't he at some point? Like, he was like a big he was way up there. Yeah. This little freshman legislator, yeah. you know. Um but yeah we were uh in the 2001 and 2002 session together. Mm-hmm. At one point in time, like I was, I sat in section four and he sat in section two because section one and two were the Democrats and three, four and five were the Republicans. 
And I made my way over to his section to talk to him about, um, I don't know what the, I don't know, I don't know what it was called, but it was like, I was accepted into some type of program where they send young politicians overseas for like a week or two and you get to experience the government of another country. Wow. And yeah. You have to be nominated for it. I got nominated for it and they gave it to me and That's awesome. they had been in the same program a few years earlier. He went to some amazing country. Like he got to go to like Ireland. They wanted to send me to Indonesia. Oh my God. No. I was like, I'm flying 700 hours. I'm I'm afraid of flying. So I was like, I didn't go. Um, And I was really bummed because it it sounded like an amazing program. Yeah. Yeah. uh, To Indonesia. But he and I chatted about it and he told me about his experience. Well, that's great. And I would like to hear about that as well. But before we bring in Ray Buckley, we just remind you that you can find out more about our podcast by going to our website, going to spare.com and clicking on the podcast link. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We are on every platform there is. In fact, it's so long I have to read a list. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Stitcher, and on YouTube. Please give us a great review. And while you're at it, just Look for Going to Spare It, Politics and Crime with Pam and Mara. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Insta. Just, again, look for Going to Spare It, and that's where you'll find us. Yeah, our website is goingtospare.com. So today, we are very excited to welcome New Hampshire Democratic Chair Ray Buckley. He has served since 2017. He previously served as the Vice Chair of the Democratic National Committee and as President of the Association of Democratic, I'm sorry, the Association of State Democratic Chairs. He also served, like Pam, as a member of the New Hampshire House of Representatives and rose to party whip. Thank you so much for joining us, Ray Buckley. Thank you for having me. Well, we really appreciate it. This is stress-free politics. We're just here to talk about what we think and uh, just respect one another's opinions, which I think is, we think is part of the great American tradition. And I know that that's something that's pretty strong in New Hampshire. Well, it certainly was uh, for many years. when you served in the legislature years before, or even just even casual politics, people uh, had a respect uh, for each other. That's long gone uh, in the relationships that you build. Uh, just last week, uh, Ann Tor, who had, who had served as the uh, majority leader uh, in the New Hampshire House, a Republican leader for many years, and uh, you know her passing, uh, it went, uh, the news of that went wildfire through uh, Democratic uh, legislators or former legislators um, because of the respect that they had for her. I mean, you know, she was tough. <laughs> she was strong and, you know, she didn't give us uh, too much uh, uh, leeway, but uh, we respected her. Uh, and and that's really the difference between uh, uh, what's happening in Washington. Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, filtered down into the New Hampshire legislature as well. Well, I think the biggest issue in New Hampshire politics right now, and I know Pam has been very upset about this, is the loss of New Hampshire's first in the nation primary status. Well, uh, we haven't lost it. Uh, we, we will ha- have the primary in February. The, the real question uh, is whether or not President Biden decides to participate in it or not, ah. uh, because there is a state law uh, that uh, regulates, they control it. My only role is after the primary where I send a letter to the secretary of the DNC on who were selected delegates. 
that's it. The, this is all entirely state run uh, throughout the entire process. So th that that's run by the state government has since 1920. Um, and, uh, you know, we certainly look forward to uh, continuing that tradition. So are you saying that New Hampshire is still going to have the first in the nation primary? Uh, as long as I'm alive. <laughs> We hope that's a long time, right? But Ray, I'm super nice to meet you. I actually met you once before when we were in the legislature together and I was a very young state representative and you were a very well-respected majority leader of the Democratic Party. Um, so AKA what I'm saying is that I was a nobody and you were like a somebody. But anyway, I did meet you because I, I ran over to your section one day to talk to you about a... Um, young politicians group that uh, sent people around the country to see other governments and you had done it and I had just been nominated. So you were kind enough to like chat with me about your experience. So I have met with met you before, but that literally would have been 20 plus years ago. Yeah, they, they, uh, the American Council of Young Political Leaders is limited to uh, folks under the age of 40. So yeah, it would have been a long time ago for me. In fact, my uh, my trip uh, was to Taiwan in 1988, and we were the first Americans, quote unquote, uh, of any sort of official level that met with the newly inaugurated President Lee. Uh, he was the first democratically elected leader of Taiwan, and we had to go through training uh, on uh, diplomacy. Uh, and it was, I believe, six Republicans around the country and six Democrats around the country and, and uh, getting to know them. In fact, one of the folks that was with me was the now governor of, uh, of uh, South Carolina, uh, North Carolina, sorry. Wow. Most people don't realize how much work is being done behind the scenes within the parties. I actually got into a little debate about this on Twitter recently with folks who are saying, oh, the parties don't matter. I'm like, that's, you don't understand oh, how much we do. Oh. It's, you know, people don't get elected by accident. There's a lot of work involved. Well, and when people say, oh, I only give to the candidates. I don't give to the party. I said, oh, so you like making uh, TV consultant, you know, ad yeah. uh, buyers and producers and the TV uh, uh, stations wealthy because that's where your money's going. It, it's not going towards the ground operation. It is going towards television ads, maybe some mail, some digital, but it is, they use their money almost entirely for a skeletal staff, staff and uh, media purchases. Uh, what the party does is build the ground organization, open up the offices, hire the staff, Create the list. We're the ones with the voter file campaigns. You know, don't they utilize it? But it's our tool that we have to. It costs us in New Hampshire probably around sixty to seventy at seventy thousand plus. Uh, that is full time working on that list. So money given to the state parties uh, goes significantly further in trying to increase uh, voter participation, uh, increase uh, the uh, actual conversation between activists and voters. Uh, so we do a lot with the money. Uh, and uh, nhdp.org, if you'd like to uh, send through Act Blue. <laughs> good for you. Good for you, Ray Buckley. You're, you're being a good chair of the New Hampshire Dems. I just want to circle back a little bit on that point. If Joe Biden is not on the ballot and therefore not running ads in New Hampshire, 
And the other Democrats who have announced Marianne Williamson and uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. are running ads. Is there a possibility, as some have speculated, that someone other than Joe Biden could win the New Hampshire primary? Well, that that would be unfortunate for the president. He would be the first uh, incumbent president not to win the primary. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of people um, re would resist that. Uh, I do think that there's going to be some folks that are going to try to organize a write-in effort. I don't know if they'll succumb to any sort of pressure from the White House to not do that. Uh, and then there's been talk about uh, maybe somebody stepping up uh, you know, a well-known Democrat stepping up and filing as a straw candidate kind of in place of uh, of the president. Um, so mm. long time, uh, lots to happen. The filing for the for the primary is not till uh, mid-December. Uh, so we've got a long time to work on that. Um, Ray, I was recently watching the WMUR special. Um, you were on it and they kind of <laughs> talking about politics in general, right? And then at some, they did a piece about the First Nation status and they had you on. You did a fantastic job. And I actually learned a tremendous amount. Um, one of the things I was really disappointed in, because I'm very protective of New Hampshire, as I know you are. Like, I love this state. And I love all the people of this state. And I think it's such a special, special place. Um, and in that special, um, they showed a clip of Donna Brazil which must have been at like a DNC bylaws and committee meeting. And she said that she wanted the state to be first in the nation that had people who know what it's like to live on a dirt road or not have clean water to drink, or if the storm is going to pass you by and see if your roof is still intact. And I was like, I think that, I think you're talking about New Hampshire. I mean, New Hampshire is really rural in certain parts. I mean, I live in the seacoast where it's not, but I mean, there's a really rural New Hampshire where people, you know, live on dirt roads. And I don't know about clean water. I'm not sure about that. But, you know, we do get storms. We get flooding. We get nor'easters. We get tornadoes. Like, I mean, I know we're not Mississippi, like with the storms that they have, but I was just really disappointed because I just feel like New Hampshire has so much to offer. And we do have this tradition of being first in the nation. I just wanted to like your take on that. Well, I've known Donna for a number of years. Uh, she first came up here uh, in the Gephardt campaign in early 87, 88. So she's been around. Uh, she knows New Hampshire. Uh, and I, you know, served with her when uh, she was the acting chair of the DNC. I was the immediate vice chair under her. So the two of us spoke every single day from the convention of 2016 right through the election day. Um, so I was disappointed to hear that personally, because guess where I was raised on a dirt road with a well. Mm. Uh, she didn't talk about uh, the electricity because we had to make sure that the light bulb was on to keep the well uh, from freezing up so mm. that we had water. If the electricity because you had electricity coming in on all along. We were a mile in on a dirt road. Um, if that light bulb went out because the electricity went down, we not only had no electricity, we had no water. And we had to then try to get out. Uh, you know, we had to walk. Uh, I, I know it sounds like, oh, you know, walking up, uh, you know, uphill both ways. But we literally, uh, my siblings and I, we lived a mile out. And if the bus couldn't make it up the road, we had to walk. 
Uh, and this was the 1970s. You know, my grandparents lived across the road from each other in Swansea, New Hampshire. My mother's mother had an outhouse until the mid-1970s. I was in high school before she got plumbing in her house. Across the road was my stepfather's parents. Now, they had a fake bathroom. It looked like a bathroom, but you had to have a bucket with you to flush the toilet would wow. go into the septic tank. So I'd be over at my grandma. I hated that that outhouse as a kid. You know, no little gay kid wants to be sitting on a, on a toilet in that outhouse. That you can't even see the bottom. It was so far down there. So I would run like hell to my other grandparents' house. And I always, my grandmother was like, don't forget to get the bucket of water. I said, I'll take care of it, but I'm going to this bathroom and then then you would have to do it. So to be lectured uh, by Donna um, that that experience doesn't happen in New Hampshire when she was absolutely describing my childhood, it was, it was particularly personally painful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and these stories don't surprise me at all. I was born in New Hampshire. In fact, I was born in the town that, that Pam lives in. My daughter, her husband, and uh, my grandson live in New Hampshire now. But my parents have stories about having little children and having to stay up all night holding candles to the pipes sure. so that they didn't freeze. Yeah. That that was not unusual from, yeah. from my, you know, people you know, live at different levels. Um, that's one thing I discovered growing up, I, that while we might live in the same uh, community or the same state or the same country, uh, our experiences can be so completely different because we stay within our range. So that's what I thought everyone was like, except unless you were on TV and that was fake. Um, it, it was shocking to me to find out that people actually did live in uh, luxury. I, I also just think that New Hampshire, because you've been having the first in the nation primary for so long, you have an infrastructure that supports that. I mean, my daughter was working for um, an agency that was covering Dixville Notch, and she went up and counted votes, and I saw her on CNN. There's a whole culture around the primaries. People do not understand how long it takes to get to Dixville Notch. I know. And every four years i got a group of staffers like hey chairman we're gonna drive up and back and i'm like no way in hell <laughs> it's like no it's hours and hours and hours up there it's like no no uh, I'll, I'll stay at home watch it on c-span and go to bed <laughs> but yes it's a fine tradition you know i've always um now my mother always said god knew what he was doing when he put ray buckley in new hampshire <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to say it a little differently and not make it about myself, but uh, it, within human history of the uh, millions upon millions of years that humans have walked the earth, there's never been a time where 1.3 million people have so much democracy. You know, we have town meetings where people can simply get up and make a motion to cut anything out of the budget or add anything on the budget. They have that direct responsibility. We have over 4,000 locally elected officials. All you have to do is be 18 years of age. Uh, to run. In fact, I was 18 when I was first elected to a town budget committee. Uh, true. That's uh, hardcore, and, Ray. That is hardcore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have a 400-member legislature. Our entire state government's up every two years. Um, on and on. We, you know, we have same-day voter registration. Uh, we make democracy a part of our lives here in New Hampshire. And that's why we're always among the top uh, participants when it, about um, when it says about uh, voter turnout, 
Uh, New Hampshire is always either one, two, or three right among uh, the top turnout because uh, we pride ourselves in, in this. And look at, I, I got to travel around to all the other states when I was head of the state chairs association. And they, their experience would be so different than what a candidate would have uh, coming to New Hampshire. Um, when I was a little kid, I would write notes of what I was going to ask the candidates about. I mean, we take this seriously. <laughs> and you know, I still have the notepad that I had for when uh, Jimmy Carter was going to be on the Today Show with Barbara Walters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, just an amazing time to be able to uh, to see that uh, as growing up and being part of that. And it would take uh, generations to kind of build, develop that sort of culture uh, in other states. And as I tell everyone from Massachusetts, you know, we don't check IDs when it comes to those town hall meetings. You all can just get in your car and drive up and you can go to anything. Uh, in fact, uh, most campaigns would welcome you to help fill the room. Right. Do you, um, I agree with you. New Hampshire is so special. It really is. It's just such an incredible place to live. Sometimes I hate even saying it out loud because I don't want more people to move here because I just like, ah. <laughs> um, but okay. So in the special that I was watching with them, you are somewhere along the line. I don't know who it was. It might've been Adam Sexton said something that like Biden hasn't been, I'm sorry, president Biden hasn't been in our state in a really long time. Is that true? Because I don't, I have to be honest, I don't pay attention, but has he been here recently? And is he, well, is he going to campaign here? Um, he was here in uh, 2021 and he was here in 2022. In 2021, he uh, did an event over at the Portsmouth Shipyard. Uh, and then, actually, no, that was 2022 because it was the day after the White House Easter. Because uh, I had just uh, come back from doing that. So, so. He was in New Hampshire twice in 2022. Uh, and then, of course, they had the trip uh, up north with the bridge uh, where the president and the entire congressional delegation crossed this bridge that was going to receive the money from the infrastructure. So the president was here twice. The vice president's been here three times, I believe. Uh, so, you know, we, we are getting uh, obviously we would love to have uh you know, leaders in our state nonstop. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had uh, members of his um, of his administration, you know, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Secretary of uh, Transportation, came up and headlined our Le- Eleanor Roosevelt uh, event. And, and uh, we've got others. And uh, one of his uh, leaders uh, in his re-election campaign, Congressman Rokana, is uh, headlining our event on May 19th. Okay, excellent. May 12th. Sorry, wrong day. May 12th. <laughs> do you think the president is going to campaign here? And I'm really hoping he does, but do you think he will? Well, when uh, whether he campaigns here before the primary, I don't know that answer. After the primary, absolutely. They have uh, a very robust plan uh, to uh, be uh, to fight for New Hampshire. New Hampshire is always going to be one of those top targets states. Uh, unlike when I was growing up, uh, New Hampshire is now a, a, a swing state. Uh, it certainly was not <laughs> in the 70s and 80s uh, in any way. No, New Hampshire's four electoral votes are critical. If Al Gore had won New Hampshire, he would have been president of the United States. So I think uh, both parties take New Hampshire very, very seriously. We've been hearing that New Hampshire is getting a little more blue especially in the South. Is that true, Ray? Is that your 
your read on it? It's fascinating to watch. Um, yeah. And because it's incremental. And so you don't like notice it overall. But then when you start looking at uh, results going back a few years and you see it creeping and creeping and creeping and creeping a little closer. Um, I There's a lot of communities to point at. Uh, and seeing how it's changed, but uh, Bedford was like the heart of the Republican Party. You, know, you used to, when when you would run for office, you would expect to lose the town of Bedford by like five thousand votes. I mean, it was just Democrats just, would lose Bedford. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Republicans would would be so successful. Uh, and not only are our statewide candidates winning Bedford now, but we're even winning races for those town elections, but we have two state representatives representing Bedford. Uh, and uh, we would have a Bedford state senator uh, if it wasn't uh, for having a late start uh, last time. So uh, it is an amazing change. Uh, and uh, you you see that with uh, towns like Londonderry and Derry, uh, to an extent Salem slowly, though it's gonna take a long time to get there along with Wyndham as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's happening. I know um, after the 2020 election, I was talking to Congressman Frank Inta, and we were actually looking at some of the results. And he said, look at Hooksit. We lost Hooksit. Look at Stratum. We lost Stratum. Oh, we lost Exeter a long time ago. I mean, the Republicans lost Exeter. But, but I mean, like losing Hooksit, like you said, losing Stratum, losing Bedford, that shows the ch- change that's been going on, you know, and I, and I do, as this living on the seacoast, I see that it's become way more blue. And then we still win, you know, up in the Northern sections and certain parts of the, um, mm-hmm. you know, state, but the lakes region. Yeah. The lakes region. I, I mean, I just attribute it to the influx of people who have moved here. You know, we have people who are moving here from Massachusetts or New York, New Jersey, and just different philosophies, right? Just Democrats, not Republicans. So, so to an extent, um that it's some people moving up though i would argue that over the last 40 50 years most people that moved to new hampshire actually voted republican because they moved to new hampshire to escape the politics of massachusetts or new york or or wherever um what has happened though is uh a lot of folks have left the republican party now they haven't become registered democrats so they're they're part of that 40 percent that are independents but when you Look at the vastness of the numbers of people that uh, that have left the Republican Party over the last 30 years. Uh, leaders, you know, former Republican state party chairs, former Senate presidents, uh, you know, people with titles that had spent so much time. Uh, when Democrats run and they create these, you know, Republicans for blank lists, the list is always chalk filled. Um, when I ran for the executive council in 2004, I had like 40, you know, former state representatives, uh, uh, other local activists, all publicly endorsing me, even though I didn't have a shot in hell of getting elected. But that's the sort of uh, the move away from what it was to be a New Hampshire Republican in the 1960s, 1970s, where the Yankee Republican existed. And the Trump uh, folks have really taken over, not just structurally the party, but really the heart of the party. And you can see that by who won the primaries uh, in 2022. It were it was all three, uh, both congressional seats and uh, the U.S. Senate race, uh, was who was the furthest or the closest to Trump. Uh, it wasn't about who could win in November. 
Uh, and uh, we, you know, we just kind of stand back and go, you know, in the old days, this never would have happened. Uh, that, you know, they they knew when, you know, you, you would nominate people, you know, like a Warren uh, Rudman or, you know, you can go on and on with the, the folks that, uh, uh, that had been elected. And uh, now uh, you see people and, you know, they say, you know, Ronald Reagan couldn't win the Republican nomination for president. Uh, the party's gone so far. Um, I don't know if that's true, uh, but I do know that in New Hampshire, uh, he would probably struggle, which is shocking to me because, you know, when he was running in 1976 you know, against Florida, then again in 80, you know, I, I thought he was as far right as you could go. And little did I know he was only halfway. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it really it really is interesting to see how the party has changed. And I am not an extremist, Ray. Like I when I was at the state house, the people around me used to give me a hard time because I'm a pretty moderate Republican. As I've gotten a little bit older, you know, 20 years later, I've grown a little bit more conservative in certain things um, that I believe in. But yeah, I, I I definitely understand what you're saying. And I and I see your point, most certainly. And, you know, I do want to say, like, I wish that people in the state would just maybe have more respect for each other. I just mean, like, as an individual, like, mm-hmm. someone mentioned Jean Shaheen to me the other day, and I was like, I love her. I would never vote for her but I love her. I, I mean, I think she's amazing. I think she broke the glass ceiling for women in New Hampshire. Right? She's an amazing politician. I mean, she's an expert politician. I mean, she's great. I don't agree with her on probably mostly everything, but I respect her. You know, if, if I was walking down the street and she was walking towards me, I would be out of my mind excited. I mean, I would be so excited. And I did see um, Senator Hassan in a local store a few years ago. And I almost fell over myself trying to get to her. And I was like, I love your pocketbook. This is amazing. You know, and she was telling me about like, I think her reelection, we were just kind of chatting about it, but like, just wish that we kind of had that feeling for each other where it's like, it's totally okay to be completely disagreeing with each other, but just like still have that like respect for each other. And even just kind of like love them as a person in a sense, you know, like I just, well, how do you feel about that? Well, I have a really funny story. Uh, so back when I was, uh, 18, uh, there were uh, there was a thing called the Plymouth State Fair, which thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh, came to every year. And there were booths, uh, and there were Republican booths, Democratic booths. Well, the Democratic booth just happened to be next to uh, this guy, Gordon Humphrey, uh, who was running for the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate. He had lived in New Hampshire for less than three years. He was a airplane airplane pilot. He lived in a, an apartment in Concord. Uh, he was not being taken seriously by anybody. Uh, but for five days, we were stuck next to each other. I was the only one at that Democratic booth, and he was the only one uh, in his own booth. And a lot of folks didn't stop at either one. <laughs> um, and so we got chatting, and uh, we have become uh, not friends, but we certainly uh, do uh, respect each other. Uh, in fact, uh, a year and a half, two years uh, later, because Gordon, uh, for those who didn't know, uh, ended up defeating Senator Tom McIntyre, the uh, Democrat, uh, for uh, U.S. Senate. He went on to serve two terms in the Senate. Um, he, 
I was in the U.S. Capitol. Uh, I was down in Washington for an event, and I had a friend, high school friend of mine with me. And uh, we went to uh, Senator Durkin's office, and they, all the senators too busy, you know, can't meet, meet with them. We went to Senator Humphrey's office. When they say, "Oh, I'm Ray Buckley from uh, New Hampshire," is my friend Pam, um, and uh, we we're just wondering if we say hello to the senator. And I was like, "Well, you know, he's on the Senate floor right now, but let's fun." He had me escorted down to the Senate floor, right wow. outside of the antechamber. He goes, Ray. And then we just laughed about being stuck next to each other uh, mm -hmm. that whole week. Um, and then you zip forward to the election 2020. And there is the two of us holding a press conference when Gordon Humphreys endorsing Joe Biden. Oh so, wow. <laughs> so wow. it's, you know, that's that's not an untypical typical uh, story in New Hampshire politics. Ray, and frankly, that is what this show is all about. And one of the things that we say is your adversary can turn out to be one of your best friends. And it's totally true. If we just, so it's been so wonderful. We just have some lightning round questions before we sure. go. The fun Ray, these are not the serious questions. These are the fun no, they're not. Well, they're <laughs> well, kind of like what the first one is, what's a book that changed your life? There are a lot of books. I yeah. loved books. Um, I, when we were kids, uh, there used to be this book program that used to, you could order it so many books. I always ordered the max books that I could get because uh, it would, took me elsewhere. It get, and it showed me life. My favorite growing up was always uh, biographies. So I'll tell you a really quick story. I know this is supposed to be lightning rod, isn't it? That's okay. Um, so when I was, I think eighth grade, I did a book report on Bella Abza uh, in the uh, junior high library. There was this book called Bella. I, I read it and I did a whole thing about her. Skip forward a couple of years. I was 18 years old. I was at the uh, Democratic National Midterm Conference or Convention in Memphis, Tennessee. Bella Abza is walking down the hall towards me. Now, you can only imagine if anyone who knows anything about Bella Abzug, uh, instant gay icon. I mean, she was born to be loved by little gay boys. So I am like passing out that she is even in breathing my same air. So <laughs> I go up and I go, oh, Congresswoman Ray Buckley, I did a report on you. She grabbed my hand. And she made me stay with her for the rest of the day. Oh. So I went into all these. I met oh. every single leading uh, leader, woman leader of the feminist movement. Wow. Uh, and this is, remember, 1978. So they were all very, mm. very uh, involved. It was phenomenal. And what that taught me and what I have tried to keep within me is the importance of reaching out and including people. Because to me, that's a highlight of my life. To her, it was just a simple act of kindness. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. So maybe she's the answer to our second question, which is, who is your most influential or the most admired politician? Or like someone you would want to meet, Ray, like living or dead? Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, he, because we were very poor. Uh, well, when I was in second grade, uh, we actually were living in the basement of somebody's house because we couldn't afford to live in a house. Uh, and my teacher told the story about Abraham Lincoln, and I can remember sitting there. I was like, wow, you know, he freed the slaves. Uh, he changed, you know, he made people's lives. And if, you know, if people like him that grew up in even a worse situation, I at least have my mother, his mother died. Yeah. Um, 
that if he can go there to have an impact, I, I'm not going to be able to free slaves, but I can do something. And if you know good people aren't involved, then bad people, really bad people, take over. Uh, so I would love to talk to Lincoln about uh, the very difficult decisions he had to make uh, as president. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, I think he would be a really interesting person to because to, I don't think he was a, a natural person to lead us through a war like that. I think that he, he had to will himself uh, to do that. Um, he rose to the occasion, I guess, is the way to say it. So, uh, that fascinates me. That's amazing. That's amazing. I totally agree with you. Um, OK, what is your favorite vacation spot? And, and I don't ask this as a stalker. Like I just <laughs> and it doesn't have to be in New Hampshire. Uh, well, it's not. <laughs> uh, in New Hampshire, I'm bound to run into a relative <laughs> or uh, somebody that knows me that wants to talk to me for an hour about this something. Is true. Um, well, the place that uh, on earth uh, that gives me uh, an, an inner peace, unlike any other place, is Provincetown. Mm. Uh, I'm not necessarily the current Provincetown because it's it the, it has changed significantly over the decades. We're now uh, with LGBTQ uh, folks being so uh, accepted uh, by the general public. There's uh, the majority of people in P Town now in the summer are straight couples <laughs> or uh, families. Uh, so it's not exactly the same. But what it gave me when I started going there in the early '90s, late '80s, was that for the only time for that was two weeks every year i was part of a majority i wasn't part of the minority i wasn't i didn't have to uh imagine what it would be like if other people like me were around me and to go to a restaurant or go to uh, a bar go anywhere uh in p-town back then uh where where i was always in the majority really gave me a, a sense and it gave me an understanding of what it likes what it's like to uh to be different uh to feel less than uh to not be not be part of the majority whether it's uh you know people's uh, ethnicity or religion uh or whatnot but it certainly has uh had an impact on me knowing having experience if i'd never gone to b-town i never would have had that empathy that truly uh, moves me significantly because it's hard. It's it's hard to be uh, in the the minority in in a a straight white uh, Christian majority. Um, so it, it it's just a it's a struggle every day, and uh, I, I don't think most uh, straight white folks grasp that. That's so important. And Ray, I just want to say quickly before we go, I identify with that um, because my father came out um, as gay in the early 1970s wow. when it was considered a mental illness and a crime and having a gay parent was unheard of. Sure. So I uh, definitely experienced discrimination and I was aware of what he was dealing with. Um, we've, we've come a long way, but we got a long way to go. Yeah, I mean, the, the, when I try to talk to the young people, it, they really can't understand how bad no. it was. No, uh, And don't. I'll talk to them, and, and I say, you know, I was, uh, you know, 19 years old when, when uh, uh, Harvey Milk was assassinated. Mm. And, you know, now somebody who wanted to be involved in politics that knew they were gay, it was, the message was, 
whether it was right or not, but the message I got was, if you come out, they'll get you. Um, and that's a very frightening, so that you are so fearful that anyone finds out that, that you're yes. gay. Uh, and uh, so it was, it was a, a very uh, painful situation that, you know, the, the young folks now really don't have to struggle with uh, as much. They don't, and they don't understand it. And I'm, what I say to people is, there was no path. Right. Your life was in the shadows. There was no path to a relationship. There was no path to employment. There, there was no path to just living your life. I, I never, path. yeah, I never, I, I swear to God, never once in my wildest dreams as a teenager did I ever imagine being able to get married. I, right. I, it never crossed my mind. Right. It never crossed my mind that I would have employment protections. It never crossed my mind that I would have protections for, you know, for service, whether it's, uh, you know, going to a hotel or a restaurant. Never, never did I uh, imagine that. Um, and uh, the other rights that, that uh, you know, are available uh, now and are accepted. Um, how about having uh, a, how about having an openly gay man run for president? Did you ever imagine that? Don't make me cry. <laughs> That's um, what I did when I met when I met Pete Buttigieg. I cried. Well, now I, I Pete and I ran ran against each other for C, for DNC chair, so I'd known him. Yeah, but I did watch his announcement, and um, when he and Chaston kissed, that that meant everything to my. To my generation, it meant everything. And we all started texting each other from all over the country. Like, did you ever imagine you would see that? Because it's one thing to be gay, but it's a whole other thing to be up there on the stage announcing for president. So you got me. <laughs> you got me too, Ray. You got Pam. Your voice is so important. And I agree with you. It's just, thank you so much for even sharing that with us. Because I think that's just beautiful and important for people to hear. So thank you. And I do want to say thank you for being on here. When Mara and I were talking initially about the podcast and who we wanted to have on, you were one of the first people I actually wanted to have on because you were. you're such an important voice. And it, while we don't probably agree on anything politically, I think you're an amazing person. And I, I respect the fact that you run the party so well and love that you are fighting for our first in the nation status here in New Hampshire. And you really are a protector here for the people of New Hampshire. So thank you so much for being on here and thank you so much for everything you do. This has been thank an you. incredible conversation, Ray. We hope that you will come back and join us. We'd love to talk to you again. Sure. No more stories that get me weepy though. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank Take you. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Pam, I don't know how we go to spare it after that. That was great. Um Amazing. He's an amazing, amazing guest. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. You know, when something like you don't expect something to happen and then like it just hits you right in the heart and you're just like, oh my gosh. But that was, that was amazing. He was really, really great. And like I said, I don't know him other than like I see him on TV. And but you, Pam, I mean, we've been friends for years. We've been talking about politics for years. You've actually talked about Ray Buckley for years and the New Hampshire Democrats and frankly, the good job that you know, you see them doing. So, I, you know. When I was um, a state rep, the uh, Democratic Party in New Hampshire was run by Kathy Sullivan. Mm -hmm. Manchester. 
Um, and she was there for a long time. I don't know how long it'll pay attention, but she was there for a very, very long time. And then she retired and, and Ray um, came in. And, uh, you know, the Republican Party here in New Hampshire, we sort of have like those turning over every two or four or six years and we get a new leader. And I wish that as the Republicans, we would sort of coalesce around one particular person and sort of keep that person in there for a long time. I wish we did that. Um, you know, because I, I, I like that. I think that you get that experience, you have the message, you build the relationships. And I just wish as Republicans in New Hampshire, we would, we would do that. You know, I love the Republican party here in New Hampshire. I think we're amazing, but I just wish we did that better. I know. I know. So it's been, this was really a great discussion. I, I so love, I love all our guests, but wow. Um, so Thank you for joining us today and please come back next week. And remember, you can subscribe on all platforms. There's so many I have to read from a list. Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Stitcher. You can watch us on YouTube. And while you're subscribing, please leave us a review. That'll help other folks find our show. Thank you. We'll see you soon. And just remember, your adversary could turn out to be one of your best friends. You've been listening to Going Disparate politics and crime with Pam and Mara, and we hope you'll join us next time. Hey, Mara, you know that people are constantly complimenting me on my beautiful hair color and my youthful looking skin. I tell them that not only do I work with a really talented master hair colorist and a super experienced aesthetician, I use Monate hair care, skin care, and wellness products. Monate products are naturally based, reliant upon natural sources for their key ingredients, unique formulas, and proven benefits. Monate considers it their duty to protect their source, which is the beautiful world in which we live. I love these products so much that I decided to sell them so that others can enjoy their amazing benefits. Check out my store at PamelaRogersESQ.MyMonate.com. That's P-A-M-E-L-A-R-O-G-E-R-S-E-S-Q.M-Y-M-O-N-A-T.com. The Monate movement encompasses not only innovative hair care, skin care, and wellness products, but a genuine dedication to helping others build beautiful lives. Each month, I'm going to be giving away an amazing Monate product. So go to our website, which is goingdisparate.com, join our mailing list, and a lucky monthly winner will be selected. Again, you can check out my Monate store at pamelarogersesq.mymonate.com. See you guys soon.